Morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, the 19th of July. Max Padley, what have you got from overnight? Ben O'Leary, what I've got overnight is you've got to call it a disappointing session on Wall Street. It was up 356 points at the top, which was right at the beginning, then just went down all day. And I think we've got the same malaise here, low volumes, lack of direction. I got a chart in the strategy piece, which shows a three-month chart of the S&P 500. It was just looking like it might have been breaking up and it's just failed at the resistance level again. So going sideways, low volumes. Goldman Sachs results overnight were pretty good, up two and a half percent, but talked about slowing hiring. Bank of America results, they were pretty much unchanged on results. I think IBM have had results after hours and are down four percent. And Goldman Sachs had results last night, pretty good, up two and a half percent, although they did talk about slowing hiring as deal flow dried up. Bank of America unchanged on results. IBM have had late results, they're down four percent, not good. One of the main drivers overnight was Apple. There was an article in Bloomberg saying that they are slowing hiring and spending in anticipation of a potential economic slowdown. Well, I think it's an obvious there's going to be an economic slowdown, but the market didn't seem to like that. A bit of Fed speak as well about the meeting coming up next week and 100 basis points not being necessary, 75 basis points more likely as inflation peaks. And then just as we talk about inflation peaking, Gazprom, the Russian energy company, says it can't guarantee supply to Europe and the oil price has popped 5.1% over overnight and all the energy stocks going nuts again today. So maybe after some hopes that the energy price was 20% off the top, it's now up 5%. This could clearly accelerate. We will see, but maybe we haven't seen peak inflation after all. US dollar dropped 0.6% overnight. Might not sound like much, but that is a heck of a lot for a currency. Lower US dollar means higher commodity prices. Most of the metal prices up overnight. Iron ore price up a couple of percent and resources doing okay today against the rest of the market doing not much. Morgan Stanley talked about the odds increasing that the US will avoid recession. Chinese property market risks continue to bubble in the background. You've probably heard over the weekend people saying that they won't pay their mortgages on unfinished apartments. <laughs> you would say, of course you won't. But then again, it's China. Otherwise, things to look out for. We've got the FOMC meeting next Wednesday. Let's see if they talk peak inflation and raise rates 75 or 100 basis points. And we've got the US results season continuing Netflix and Twitter tonight, but some big results coming up next week in technology. The only other thing going on today is ANZ in a trading halt. I think Tom will talk about that. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Tom, we've got ANZ. What else is happening? Thank you, Ben. Well, ASX 200 is down eight points. It was up eight points early, but energy and miners are outperforming healthcare and tech stocks. The worst performance, CSL down 1%, ResMed up 4%. As Marcus said, oil up more than 5%, helping the energy sector. Woodside doing well, up 5%. Santos up 3%. BHP had production numbers out, well received. They are trading 2.3% higher, although they did flag a softier head for iron ore, said production volumes will be lower for iron ore and coking coal in the next 12 months. Rio and Fortescue both nicely higher. We had preliminary numbers out from JB Hi-Fi. They are trading up 3.6% hits record sales and unaudited earnings for the full year 22. Audited earnings will be out in August 15. Didn't you have a buy hold sell on JB Hi-Fi last week? No, it was yesterday. Yesterday, sorry. So take a look at that if you want to know a bit more. Hub 24 down 5% as funds slide over the quarter and ANZ 
Roy Morgan consumer confidence has steadied and that was due to the lower than expected employment last week. And we do have RBA minutes from the July meeting out today where the board lifted rates 50 bips to 1.35%. Thank you, Tom. Good work as always. Layden? What have you got from the brokers? Thank you, Ben. So just on that ANZ and Suncorp deal, brokers this morning more so reacting to ANZ's third quarter trading update, which was pretty well received. The key point there was that net interest margins have risen by six basis points. All the brokers had bullish recommendations out this morning. City and UBS both had buy recommendations and Credit Suisse has an outperform recommendation. The average target price is 38% above the current market price from those three brokers. And for Suncorp, Morgan's City and Credit Suisse are all bullish with ad buy and outperform recommendations. That's on the back of the sale of their banking arm to ANZ. Target prices are ranging from $13 to $14, and that's about 10 to 20% above the current market price. But Morgan Stanley is underweight with a target price 13% below the current market price with concerns about long-term growth options for the company. And one more, I've got Rio had an upgrade this morning to an ad recommendation at Morgan's after recent share price weakness. The broker expects a better outlook for metals in 2023 as Chinese growth recovers. The target price is down slightly to 113 that still implies a 19% upside. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Leighton. Henry, what are you writing about? Today, just, I guess, a question or a couple of questions from members. One on uh, gold miners. One member was puzzled, I guess, why the gold miners have been absolutely smacked as opposed to the gold price itself, which is only off around 11% in Aussie dollar terms. The reasons are many and varied, but the major reason is the cost pressure that gold miners have got because they're remote locations. They require an awful lot of diesel, an awful lot of energy as well as an awful lot of labor, all of which have been going up. And the canary in the gold mine was very much evolution, which did set off a train of events as uh, evolution tends to be the poster child for the sector. But there will come a time when the gold miners are a buy. Now, there's one that has caught my eye at the moment, which is a stock called Genesis. GMD is the stock code there, which is run by a gentleman by the name of Raleigh Finlayson. And Raleigh was the man who ran Saracen and then was the MD of Northern Star. And he's kind of putting the band back together in some respects and trying to consolidate gold mines in the Leonora gold fields of Western Australia. And he is currently, well, they raised 100 million bucks pretty easily, it seems. There's lots of money around still, but they raised 100 million bucks at a dollar 20 and a half. And they're merging with a company called Dacian Gold, which has been a bit of a dog, to be honest. But there are some attractions with the Dacian Mill and also bringing St. Barbara into the fold as well. Now, currently, Genesis are merging with Dacian. And if you bought Dacian at 9.4 cents, which is where they closed last night, it gives you an intro into Genesis at about a 10% discount to the Genesis price of $1.22. So it's a little bit of an ARB play and a little bit of a bottom picking play in a company that's got some pretty good management, some good ambitions as well. Dacian's actually jumped this morning by three and a bit percent. So that's a bit annoying, but something to think about 
out there is a relatively low risk play with good management consolidation of a gold area and uh, all the benefits of a re-rating that brings. Diggers and Dealers starts on the 1st of August and the Noosa Mining Conference kicks off in a day's time up in uh, Queensland. So that is going to be a bit of a focal point as well and both have links in the newsletter to how you can watch the presentations online and they're free if you're interested. Lots and lots of companies are presenting at both those events. Nice. Thank you, Henry. I think a conference in Noosa would be fairly popular at this time of year, especially from those of us down in the freezing state. Yeah, I was going to go, but unfortunately other events got in the way. Fair enough. Thank you for that, Henry. Under our fresh ideas today, and I'll cover them off quickly. Just a couple in there. Chris has his chart of the day as Orica, O-R-I. Make sure you check that out. And I have put in a look at a growth at a reasonable price screen from Stockopedia. We've put a few of the screens in that we've built ourselves in the portfolio sections on the last couple of weeks. The income one on Wednesday, long-term investors one on Thursdays. This is one of the preloaded screens that Stockopedia have. It's called Growth at a Reasonable Price. It's based on a book called Smarter Stock Picking by David Stevenson, and it has a combo of value, growth, quality, and momentum measures. It spits out four stocks, three REITs, one resources. I won't give them away on the podcast. You have to check it out if you want to have a look. But it has been interesting. It's got 10 factors. They're all in the fresh ideas as well. It's important to note with some of these things that all the factors in there are backward looking. So it produces a good companies that have been performing very well recently and are cheap on a PE basis. Looking at their recent earnings, they're all 2.5 to 4 times PE, which is very low considering with anything under 10 is considered cheap, but more research than just the screen is needed to figure out if they're going to be able to repeat their strong performances. I haven't gone to that next step today, just showing the value of these screens and what they can produce. So make sure you check that out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. And Marcus, before we get to your strategy, there's a piece in the newsletter day on ANZ, a little bit more in depth. Yes, Tom and I have done a piece on ANZ, just looking at the Suncorp deal. I won't run through all the details, but there are some positives, as Leighton said. The positives are in the trading update rather than necessarily the deal. There's quite a lot of criticism of the deal and ANZ strategic moves over the last four years. One of them pointing out that their loan book in 2016 was about $260 billion, and their loan book after the Suncorp deal is about $260 billion, in which case they've gone nowhere. And so I put a chart in of the ANZ share price since 2016. And indeed, it is, I think, up 0.49%. In other words, it's gone nowhere either. So there you go, a sideways stock. The conclusion on the ANZ deal or the ANZ update is that brokers love it. They have, as Leighton said, target prices. Three of them have a target price averaging 38% above the current share price. But if you put all the brokers together, average target price 26% above the current share price. The stock, we haven't seen the share price yet because it's come out of its trading hold, but it's going to go down. But even on the price it closed at, it's on a 10.4 times PE and a 9.4% yield. When they cut their dividends over the pandemic, the yields were at 3 to 4%. And we're now back to yields and PEs, which we saw pre the banking inquiry. The conclusion is it is looking attractive on PE and yield, but it's not a growth stock. It's an income stock. It's not a trading stock either. Income investors don't have any need to rush to buy it. There's no dividend until early November. But this was quite a good trading update. It effectively de-risks the stock ahead of the next set of results. 
results and as an income investor, whilst you would probably take up the rights, why not? There's nothing terribly wrong and the share price isn't exactly peaking. But in terms of new buyers of ANZ, you'd probably let the deal wash through, let the indigestion from the big share issue wash, wash through before looking to buy. Technically, it's not bouncing yet. Wait for that, maybe. Wait for a better tone on the market. Wait for a peak in bond yields. Wait for a bottoming in the housing market. There are a few headwinds for the bank sector at the moment, but value is clearly peering and particularly in ANZ after this deal. And when you see the share price fall tomorrow, it will look even better value, but no rush and an income stock only and no rush ahead of November. Very nice. I'll stick with you for strategy. Yeah, strategy. Strategy is getting a bit thin at the moment because there's no real change. Still in cash. Disappointing night on Wall Street. We're all still watching inflation, interest rates, the FOMC, what the US results do. Doesn't look like they're doing much for the market at all. And the signposts coming up are big tech results next week, but particularly the FOMC and what they say about peak inflation, if they say anything at all, whether they raise rates 75 or 100 basis points. But I've put, in order to pass the time, I've put some charts in weekly charts, which are a bit sort of stand back and have a look at the market rather than let's fiddle around day in, day out. If you stand back, have a look at the S&P 500, you'll see still firmly in downtrend. Same sort of for the ASX 200, but the ASX 200 index is not really worth charting too much because it's the average of a couple of sectors, in particular resources and banks. So I pulled those out individually today to look at the banks and resources. And on the resources sector, it's hard to really pull a trend out. Statistics will pull a trend out. I've put a regression line through the index today and you can see a trend and we're out the bottom end of the trading range at the moment. But the reality is that this is a trading sector. And if you have a look at some of the charts in the strategy section today, I particularly pulled out BHP. Some people obviously hold BHP as an investment. You will hear them talking about having bought it in pounds, shillings and pence and how fabulous it's been. But the reality is for an engaged Marcus Today member who's active, BHP is not a safe investment. It is a trading stock. To give you in the last three years, some of the movements up 68%, down 16%, up 61%, down 34%, up 51%, and it's just dropped 24%. This is a trading stock. It's not a safe, low volatility investment. And if you think that or BHP is volatile, and I could just as well have put up Rio, have a look at the FMG chart and the Oz Minerals chart, where Oz Minerals, for instance, it's gone up in the last two years and a bit. 365% gone up, down 26%, up 48%. It's just gone down 45%. There'll be a bottom on it as well. These things are, are trades. So the point I'm making in the strategy section today is that resources are fabulous long duration trades. They don't move 20% in a day. So they're actually lower risk than being in a no earnings sentiment driven textile stock. The resources grind higher, grind lower with large pivot points. We clearly have a large pivot point coming up. So waiting for that before doing anything. But anyone who tells you that BHP is a great long-term investment hasn't really spotted the opportunity to make a fortune picking the pivot points. And there are only one or two a year. We're coming up to one, I'm sure. Very nice. Thank you, Marcus. Our question of the day today with results season approaching very rapidly. Name one theme for the upcoming results season. Tom, could you please give us your theme? Margin pressure. And I'll give you the example of of Bega last week, which warned on higher costs. And this was going into FY23. And their outlook was saying that
they're getting higher costs, but they can't actually pass them on. So if you're a business that is not a price maker or can't pass on the cost to their customers, it's going to be an issue for you. Thank you, Tom. Leighton? Similarly to Tom, I'm going to go with net interest margins. We've only got CBA results coming up, but we should get some trading updates from the rest of the banks. And I think we'll see some strong net interest margins there. As we did with ANZ. Yeah. Thank you, Leighton. Henry? I think the relative strength of the consumer. We've seen uh, JB Hi-Fi out today with some pretty impressive results. So I know we've written off the consumer, we've written off spending, but the relative strength out there, I think, you know, when we're out and about in the streets, and in the shops, there's still a lot of money around. So I think we might be surprised to the upside in some of the strengths that we've seen. Even Kathmandu had some relatively good numbers coming out yesterday. JB Hi-Fi the same. So maybe the death of the consumer has been greatly exaggerated. Worth mentioning that some of the big moves that you see on results are often in those consumer stocks in retailers. Things like Breville, Kathmandu have often jumped 15, 20% on results one way or the other, usually on the upside. And I think Henry's probably right that whilst we might be worrying about a recession in the US, in Australia, people still have plenty of cash to splash. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot of cash on the sidelines in the market still. So good results are every chance to have a particularly good response in the market. Marcus, what's yours? I think we'll see a return to value in the sense of market focusing on value in the results season whilst the market was going haywire just straight up. It was all about who was clever enough to guess that Zip would have great results or bad results. And it was absolutely a crapshoot. And I think hopefully we will get back to fundamentals, we'll get back to believing some of the numbers, and we'll get back to numbers rather than luck when it comes to results. Let's hope so anyway. Fingers crossed. Mine's probably a little bit more sour. I think the outlooks with inflation still rough and the growth concerns particularly, outlook's going to be very cautious across the board. I don't think there's anyone that's any business that's really not going to be concerned about slowing growth and impacts of inflation, one or the other or both. So that's my prediction. Do you think the Australian economy is slowing? Good question. Well, there's good questions well, there's, there's still, as, as human, no, as not at all they're still very strong yeah the, the car prices are still ridiculous people yeah. are obviously still paying them yeah. people have still got cash well, people issue, are still not traveling yeah, overseas unemployment's still really low the, 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 the issue is that the interest rates are the tool to use against all of this and at some point don't know what number it's going to be but at some point they're going to start working and that's going to have impacts to growth but with this results season I think we might just see a solid set of results yeah, I think the numbers are probably from the Australian cyclicals. House prices are still only 4% off the peak or something in Melbourne. It's no biggie. Maybe I'll change my wording to good numbers, bad outlooks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. See you, Henry. I was playing golf at the weekend with one of my friends who has been listening to our morning meeting podcast for free for the past year. And he was looking a bit sad. And the reason he was looking a bit sad is because from the 1st of August... The Marcus Today Morning Meeting podcast is going dark. We are putting it behind the paywall. It'll be for members only. Anyone who wants to continue listening to the Marcus Today Morning Meeting podcast should do themselves a favor and us a favor and subscribe. And just to tickle you along, if you send an email to info at marcustoday.com.au and be very nice to Will, Chi-Chi and Karishma, they may just give you a bit of a promo code. Give it a go. 